And Christina Maslach talked about canaries in the coal mine, where you send canaries into a coal mine. And when there's a rise in carbon monoxide, the canaries will fly out. When the canaries fly out of the coal mine, you don't blame the canary. You blame the environment. Welcome everyone. In case you are new to the podcast, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself and why I decided as a busy working mom to find the time to put this together. When I was in my late 30s, after working as a surgical physician assistant for about 13 years, I found myself severely burned out. This affected my relationships, my work, my mental, and ultimately my physical health. I felt like I didn't have time to breathe, let alone the time to find the resources to help me out of my burnout cycle. I did find a way out that has led me to a more fulfilled and joyful life. I would like to be a resource for you to do the same. I will walk you through simple steps to integrate into your busy day to help you move out of the burnout cycle. Even if you feel like you don't have time to breathe, you can do this. If I can do it, literally anybody can. Please note, because I am nowhere near perfect, I may slip up and use an occasional minor curse word for emphasis or due to raw emotion. Please be aware. Thank you so much for being here. Let's break the burnout cycle together. Hey everyone, welcome back. So this week on the podcast, I want to cover the new things I learned just this week. And I want to share them with you because that's what this podcast is all about, what I've learned so far about burnout. So first things first, and this one is hard for me to admit, but I'm going to put it out there because I think it is an important learning point. I go to therapy every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., And the reason I picked this time is because I wanted to do it so that it wasn't during work hours, so I wasn't taking away from work. And on Tuesdays, because I do telehealth on Tuesdays from home, it's really easy for me to jump off therapy and jump onto work and not be late for work. So that is why I chose that time. This Tuesday, because of the holiday on Monday, we had clinic. And so it didn't register to me that I was going to be late for clinic because I'd have to go to my therapy appointment and then get in the car and do my commute and also do my commute at a later time. So instead of it taking me about 25 minutes to get to work, it was probably going to take me 35, 40 to get to work, putting me into clinic about 45 minutes after when I no, almost an hour after when I would normally be there. So what was really really a learning point for me this week and why I want to put this out there is that I'm very open that I go to therapy. I have no problem saying that I am in therapy and I am working through my stuff. But when I had to admit that it was going to make me late for work, I didn't want to do it. I did text my supervising physician that it was their day in clinic that I was going to be late and I told her why. But the other people I work with, I didn't send the text because I was too, I don't know if I was ashamed of it or whether I was too embarrassed, but there was something about therapy making me late to work 
that really hit hard for me. And I really needed to look into that spot as to why. Why can I be so open about it as long as it's not interfering with work? But as soon as it interfered with work, all of a sudden I didn't want to be open and honest about it. It's a really, really interesting learning point for me. And I just wanted to put it out there because there is such a stigma around mental health that I thought I was handling. But as soon as it interfered with work, suddenly I wasn't handling it anymore. I need to look there and I need to use my voice and make sure that I am not allowing mental health to stigmatize me in any way, shape, or form, even if I have to go during work hours or even if it makes me late. So I thought that was a really interesting point that I learned about myself this week. And I wanted to put it on here because, again, I don't want anybody to feel like they can't be late to work, leave from work, do a telehealth visit in the middle of work if they need it. We should all be able to make the space and time for that. It was just interesting when it came to my own life, was I doing that? And I really want to lead by example, and I really am looking hard at my actions and my thoughts and my behaviors. So I just had to put that out there. Good learning point for me this week. Okay, number two. So shout out to Mark Johnson, because first of all, just a wonderful human. If you haven't heard the burnout interview with him, go back and look at it and listen to it because again, just a wonderful human being. So he'll reach out to me every once in a while with kind words. He keeps me going, but also he reached out to me this week with a book that he was like, this book is great. Really, you should look into it. So immediately, because I needed a book, I downloaded it on Audible and started listening to it this week. And it really is expanding my brain, which I love so much. And every time I dig into something new, I'm always amazed at the new literature I get. So this book is called The Burnout Epidemic, The Rise of Chronic Stress and How We Can Fix It by Jennifer Moss. So she is a burnout expert, but is not a physician or a PhD. So she has been working in the corporate world, helping corporations with their burnout, and has been studying this and became an expert on this. And uh, there's a lot of research about medical providers in the burnout literature. So she has interwoven that with the book. She talks about the six areas that contribute to burnout, which she points to environmental factors. And the more and more I learn about burnout is that yoga, meditation, breathing, self-help books, all of it will help you, your person, your nervous system feel better. All of that can help. But what she described in the book was she interviewed Christina Maslach, who's one of the foremost experts on medical burnout. And Christina Maslach talked about canaries in the coal mine, where you send canaries into a coal mine. And when there's a rise in carbon monoxide, the canaries will fly out. When the canaries fly out of the coal mine, you don't blame the canary. You blame the environment 
that there was too much carbon monoxide in there. And that's why the canaries flew out. The more and more I learn about burnout, the more and more it's attributed to the environment that we are in. It is not a sustainable environment. And so I actually went back to the literature that this book is quoting, and it's a study that was done by Michael Leder and Christina Maslach. It was called Six Areas of Work Life, a Model of the Organizational Context of Burnout, meaning it's the organization, the environment that is putting the stress on the workers. And they have six areas that they say organizations should look at and work on. So I'm going to list off these six so we can walk through them together. So one is workload, one is control, one is reward, another one is community, then fairness, then values. When we're walking through this, when we talk about workload, what was really interesting in this article is immediately I think of how many patients we're seeing. Well, that wasn't the only thing they talked about with workload, which was really, really interesting. They talked about with workload, the amount of time we are allowed to recover from the emotional aspect of our job. And then it digs into that just a little bit deeper. If you lack sufficient recovery time from demanding work, you're vulnerable to chronic exhaustion leading to burnout. When we, especially I work in cancer, when we see emotionally distressed patients as humans. There's no way that I cannot pick up on that. And if I have a distressing talk or if I have an emotion that arises in me because of what's going on with that patient, all of these tough emotions, they add up and you can't shut them off as you walk out the door. So they say that these distressing emotional exchanges at work get brought home And then this continuation of those emotional distressing events or those emotions that we bring home with us inhibits the recovery process. So again, putting us to be very vulnerable for exhaustion. The other interesting point, again, all under workload, which a lot of it has to do with the emotional workload and burden we take on as care providers was if you have to display emotions that are inconsistent with what you're feeling at the time, that's especially draining. Just think about that. If you have to cover up your emotions, so in medicine, oftentimes we're told not to cry, to be strong. And so if you're really sad about a patient and you're trying to be strong and hide those emotions, that is especially draining on your system. I just thought that was an incredible and very insightful about the workload that we're carrying that is invisible, the emotional workload that we are carrying. Really interesting. So the next one they go to is control. This is really interesting to me because they talk about the conflicting demands that arise from multiple authorities that may conflict with your role priorities, meaning I walk into work and my priority is the patient, but then I have insurance companies and administrators telling me that my paperwork needs to be done, my EHR needs to be checked, my billing needs to be done, the peer-to-peers need to be done. So all of these things that are conflicting with my idea of my role, that makes me feel a little bit out of control. They also cite ambiguity at work, not knowing your role, not knowing exactly what you're supposed to be doing as feeling like you don't have control. 
and then lack of autonomy. So not having the autonomy to make the decisions you need to make during the day and feel like you have a sense of control. They talk about reward, mostly surrounding insufficient rewards will increase burnout. So if you feel like you've done a good job and you're not being rewarded for that hard work and all of the time and effort that you're putting in, that can increase burnout. They talk about community, and I I can't say this enough that I've talked about community in other podcasts. Um, There was a great book put out by Oprah, What Happened to You, that was had an excellent section on community and what it does for your brain and to help you heal from trauma. Forming a community around you and having those relationships where you can turn to somebody that you trust and talk about the tough stuff you're going through or have those people that lift you up, just a community of support and those relationships. And also for me, it's having a community of support that is clinical, meaning that if I don't know the answer to something or I need to ask a question to somebody that is more educated on the topic than me or has more experience on on whatever I need that on, that I have somebody to turn to and get that information to help me with the patient, that I don't feel like I'm struggling out there all by myself and can't, I don't have the support to find the answers that I need. Fairness, I think that is pretty self-explanatory. But what it talks about in this article is that when we feel stressed and we often don't know the answers, we will turn to leadership or management for those answers. And we look to them to be fair and equitable. And that's where if leaders have different ideas about what is fair and equitable than what our idea of fair and equitable is, that can be a mismatch and cause some burnout. And then I have definitely talked about this before in my podcast. If your core values do not match the values of your workplace, you will 100%, 100% burn out. That can be very little things that can have a big impact on you. So making sure that you know what your values are and making sure that they align with what you're doing because What you want to do will go along with your core values, but what you have to do or what you deem that you have to do is one of those things that may not go along with your core values. And if what you have to do, what you feel like you have to do and grind through is much, much bigger than what you want to do, then you will burn out and there's a mismatch there. So really going along with what your values are and what lifts you up during the day and helps you be a better provider is really where you want to focus your energies and where, honestly, administration and your workplace should want you to focus your energies because you're going to bring so much more to that. You're going to be fulfilled. Your patients are going to feel way better about it. You're going to have better patient care. It all goes together. I just wanted to put all of this out there because, again, I'm trying to bring what I am learning about burnout, and this is an ongoing process for me, each and every single day. I want to bring this to everyone out there so that you understand what's going on in burnout and start looking around at your environment. I really want to change the culture of medicine 
to one that is not a culture of burnout, to one that is a culture of wellness and inclusivity and makes us feel good about going to work and helping patients. But I feel like I am staring up a mountain right now and I don't know how to get to the top. The only way that I know that I can make a difference is to use my voice. And in order to get my voice out there, I put it on a podcast. So please share this. I really want to change medicine. We need to look at what can help us personally, which I have done a lot of personal work and it has helped me so much. But we also have to change the environment. We do not need to be the canary in the coal mine. So I thought I would just put this out there so that y'all can be educated about your environment and start looking hard at what's going on in your environment. And if you have any ability, really try to change your environment. And I don't, I don't have any answers on how to do that. And it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to lie. We are up against a lot of hurdles, but if there is a place where you can gain a little bit more control or you can take a few minutes in your car on the way home and process some of the emotional workload that you went through that day before you hit the door and bring that home. You know, that's that's big. So I'm just trying to put some education out there. It is really the only thing I found that makes me feel like I'm moving the needle at all <laughs> for medicine. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And again, my heart goes out to everybody listening because if you're working in medicine right now, man, it is so tough. All right, y'all. I am going to take a month off from the podcast in July. I will be raring, ready to go in August, and I'm already lining up interviews for season three. Super excited. Can't wait to see you guys back here in August. Love y'all so much. Hang in there. And I, as always, I always, always hope this helps. And I wanted to end the season with a blooper from today's show because it's priceless. So I will end with a blooper. I hope it makes you laugh. And again, can't wait to see you back here in August. The more and more I learn about burnout, the more and more it is attributed, attribute, the more and more it is attributable the more and more is it the more and more it is attributable bleh, bleh, bleh. the more and more it is attributable the more and more it's attributed goodness that only took a few tries <laughs> i hope that's a little reminder that nobody is perfect and there's a lot of editing that goes into this i love y'all and i'll see you next season If you're really enjoying this podcast, head on over to Apple and give me a rating and review and also click that follow button so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. The 
information, opinion, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in the podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast is not to be considered professional advice. Before starting any change in physical, mental, or dietary practice, you should consult your medical provider. 